I keep trying to think of what week we are on, and honestly, I have no idea. And I think this is week eight of this series that we've been going through, where we are looking at characteristics of, of God from Scripture, of who He is to us. And we started, the first week we started, by, I started by asking questions to, you know, to get us to think about who He is to each of us. What drew us to Him? What about Him made us want to follow Jesus? We've talked about him as a father. We've talked about him as a protector. We've talked about him as a, uh, a provider. We've talked about the spirit of God. We've talked about him as our creator. And this week, you know, we're going to talk about God the Son, which is Jesus. And if you maybe, maybe you noticed or, or maybe you didn't notice, the songs kind of go along with what we're going to be talking about today. And so we're going to be in uh, the book of John, John chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open that to John chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be up there on the screen for us to see. Or if you have a Bible app, you can open that as well. So I'm going to read the verses first, and then we're going to go back through it and just go from there. John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world was made. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who, received, who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes, comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Now we're going to jump down to verse uh, 29. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming forward towards him and said, Look, 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to, uh, to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testified that this is God's chosen one. Now, when I read this, you know, it's funny because the first verse, uh, first line of the song that we sung, uh, What a Beautiful Name, is You Were the Word in the Beginning, which is basically how, which is from this passage in John because that's what it says. It tells us that in the be basically God or Jesus is the Word, that He was with God in the beginning at the creation of all things and that He is, will always be. Now, Matthew chapter 3, verse 17 tells us, and I'm just going to read that portion, but this is as Jesus is being baptized by his cousin, John. And as he's being baptized, uh, it says the spirit, descend, spirit descends on him. But not only that, it says that a voice was heard from heaven that said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, how many people, whether we want to admit it or not, likes being acknowledged? When you do something, especially you know you did it right, you want people to recognize that work that you did. You want people to recognize that you did a good job. Now, I'm not saying that everything we do, we do it for the attention of, of others, but we want acknowledgement. Because when we do something and somebody else gets the credit for it, we feel wrong because then they're getting credit for something that we worked hard on. This passage shows us that God acknowledging Jesus for who he is. It shows us God basically saying, hey, to everybody that was there that, that day watching him be, be baptized, this is my kid. I love him, and I am very pleased with him. I am proud of him. Now, he hadn't done a whole lot of the miracles that comes, those come, came later. He hadn't raised Lazarus yet from the dead. He hadn't uh, healed his, a whole bunch of people. He hadn't fed the 5,000. None of that stuff, uh, none of those miracles had happened yet. What we can take comfort in that is this, that we don't have to do miraculous things or great things to get the acknowledgement of God. When we become a part of his family, when we become his children, just like he says to Jesus and acknowledges him as his son, he acknowledges us as his. Not because of the work that we did before we came to know him or the work that we're going to do, but because we've become a part of his kingdom and a part of his family. See, I don't know about you, but 
if I'm going to get acknowledgement from anyone, I'd rather it be from God. Because people's acknowledgement, come, they come and go. They acknowledge you when you do something right, but the moment that you mess up, they will put you down or they will say something to as if what you did before never really happened. But what we may not realize, or maybe we do and don't think about it, is that a lot of people seek acknowledgement. And I'm not just talking from the perspective of their jobs, but I mean some people seek acknowledgement from their parents. They seek acknowledgement from the people that raised them, from their fathers or their mothers, and they'll do all, they do all sorts of things because they want to be noticed by their family or be noticed by their, by their parents. Unfortunately, a lot of times they end up doing the wrong things to get acknowledgement, and when they can't get acknowledgement from their families, they go seek it from their friends. And they fall into the wrong crowds or do stupid things. See, I can remember a time in high school where there were some kids that I was friends with that were just being dumb. And I went along with it. In that moment, as a kid, you don't, you're not thinking you know, of all those outside aspects of things. But in that moment, I wanted to be a part of their group. I wanted to be them to acknowledge me. So I went along with what they were doing. Now, when I look back at it, I realize, man, how dumb that was to follow just because I wanted them to, to be, or I wanted to be part of that group. Now, and that was, you know, in my, like, ninth grade and tenth grade year. As I got older and, and later in high school, I kind of separated myself from crowds where I basically hung out with whoever I wanted to. But for a lot of kids, when you get stuck in a crowd, you end up stuck in a crowd. And you go along with the things that they're doing because, you know, you want to stick with that crowd. You want to belong to that group so you continue to do the things, even though you might recognize that what they're doing isn't right. So we desire to be acknowledged, but not always for the right reasons. God calling out to the people that were there acknowledging Jesus shows us that we, sh or at least as parents, that we shouldn't be afraid to tell our kids how much we love them or how proud of them we are. Not because of things they, they are, they've accomplished, but because they are our children. A lot of kids don't get to hear those words that I, of how proud a parent is or how much they love them often enough because when they hear it, it's because they've accomplished something. And so they think they have to accomplish something to earn that love, to earn that acknowledgement. That's a terrible mindset to, for our children to get into, which builds into their adulthoods where they feel like they have to earn acknowledgement. But God, the Father, tells us, hey, I acknowledge you for who you are as my child, not for what you did or what you're going to do for me. 
not for the gifts or the talents that you have, which he has given us and has blessed us with. No, he's a, he acknowledges us as his. See, to be a child of God is different than to be a child of the world. This world is full of darkness. It's filled with problems, sins. But when we come to God, he, he helps us to see those problems and he removed those ideas from our heads that says we have to pursue acknowledgement from people. And he shifts our focus onto him. So let's go back to the beginning of that verse where he tells us the first thing that we see is that Jesus has always been there. From the beginning of the creation of the world, he was there. It also tells us that he is the word. In other words, the scriptures that we read, the, the studies that we do when we go into the word and start reading about him, it's telling us that not only is he the word, he is the truth. He's the life and he is the only way, which means there's no other way to God except through Jesus. No matter what you hear, no matter what you see in this life, the only way to Jesus or to God, the Father, is through Jesus. Because he is the one that died on the cross for our sins so that we would have an opportunity to come to know the Father. He is the one that became the bridge to connect us to the Father. To help us become sons and daughters of God. In verse 9, it tells us that the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, John is talking about... The, Jesus is coming into this world. If you know the story, then you know that his birth was prophesied long before he came into this world. And then God chose Mary to be his mother. And Joseph to be, to be his father, to stay with, with Mary and be his father. You know, it's a very, I've always thought, found it interesting because we don't, I don't think we give enough credit to Joseph. Because he was, because at that time in that culture, if somebody you were supposed to marry to ended up pregnant out of wedlock, essentially you were to bring them before everyone and they get stoned and they were to be killed essentially because that was the unfaithfulness. But he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to drag her out and make a public thing about it. Instead, he tried to do something quietly. But then God spoke to him. And he chose to accept and believe that what God was telling him about his son. And he became really the first stepfather, if you want to think about it, that we, know, that we see in Scripture. One that stepped up to be a part, to be a father in this world to Jesus. To raise him, to guide him, because that was what God had given him as a role. And he did that willingly and accepted that. 
Our first point for this morning is that Jesus is the light of this world. You know, what, is the, what do we need light for? I had Ryan turn on the spotlight because, you know, we, have, we record. And one of the first things I told him after like a week or two of being here is that Pastor John and I are different complexions. While he looks much lighter in the little lighting that we had on the stage, I need more light. Unfortunately, the, it just wasn't working for me. And I would watch the videos back, and I'm like, man, I cannot, I can barely see my face in this camera. And I told him, I was like, hey, we're going to have to figure out something, because otherwise all I see is literally myself moving back and forth like a shadow. And so we did. We got another camera that was better quality, and then we did some, we switched out at least lights and then we adjusted it so it pointed more this way so that the camera can get a better lighting. And if you know anything about, you know, cameras or pictures or if you want good pictures, you got to have good lighting to take good pictures. And you want to make sure you have a good camera so that when you have the good lighting, you can, your quality of your pictures come out really well. And it's the same thing when a room is really dark and you can't see a thing, you need light to see through and see where you're going. The problem is we've gotten so used to the darkness that we can walk through either ignore, ignoring the darkness and because our eyes have adjusted to being a part of this dark world, rather than allowing the light of God to guide us forward. I can remember uh, when I was serving in Zephyr Hills where I could walk into that sanctuary and know, I knew where everything was and I didn't need to turn on the light. I could walk through there, get to the stage with no problem. And there were chairs set up all over the place and I knew where everything was. Because I had made that walk so many times that I got used to that little light that, we, that I, w I didn't feel like I needed. And it's the same thing with our world, we've gotten used to the way things are, and so we can walk through life without worrying about needing Jesus. But we need him now more than we ever did. It's just we're not willing to always acknowledge that. We get so used to walking in the darkness that sometimes when new things pop out, new obstacles come in, and we trip over them because we weren't ready, because we didn't have a light to guide us. That's what the light of Jesus does. It shines a path in a dark world to show us which way we're supposed to go, what to do, what not to do, what choices to make, what choices not to make. And if his light is in us, then we want to show people that light, which means that the love that Jesus has for us should be reflecting outwardly, brightly, to everyone. So if we say we believe in Jesus, but then when we go out into the world, we don't take him with us, then what are we doing? We're just another which is part of the world. You can't be in the world and be a follower 
of Jesus. In other words, you can't say you believe in Christ and continue to act the same way as everybody else. The perfect example is where Jesus tells us, you are the light of the world. A town that is built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? It says that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, when people see the good you do, they don't see you, but they see God. And that they would glorify God because of the good things that they see, not because they don't glorify you because it's not supposed to be about us. And that's the problem when it comes to acknowledgement is that we want people to acknowledge what we've done. We want credit rather than giving God the acknowledgement for what's been done. Verse 10 tells us that he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not recognize him. Does anybody know which, who his own that is referring to is? You can, you can answer if you know. He was, a, he was a Jew. And he was the promised Messiah. They had been, they were expecting the Messiah to come. But when he came, they didn't recognize him. And that's what it's saying here is that he came but his own did not recognize him. And many did not receive him. And a lot of those were religious leaders that spent their time studying the word. They knew the word by heart, but they didn't know Jesus, nor did they recognize him. See, we have to be careful that we don't just know Scripture, but that we know Jesus. You can know all the verses. If you don't know Jesus, then none of it really matters because then all you got is the words. But yet the relationship is not there. Just because you know the Bible does not mean you know Jesus. Do you see him for who he is, for who God sent him to do for what God sent him to do in this world, which is to die for my sin, to die for your sin, to give his life as a sacrifice, and to bring us back into a relationship with the Father. But yet all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That is what we get. That's what we receive when we accept Jesus. 
It even tells us in His Word that we become heir and conquerors with Christ. Because as the Son of God, He's also called the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And now we're part of His family. We're, all of a sudden, we are adopted into the kingdom of God. But that adoption into His kingdom comes through us surrendering our lives to Jesus. See, Jesus came to save us. He came for the Jews and the Gentiles. He came for the slave and the free, for, the, for men and women. He came for all of us. Even though not all of us, not all will acknowledge him and accept him as the Son of God, he still came to die for all. So we all get the same chance, the same opportunity of whether or not we want to become children of God. He became flesh so that we could see an example of what it means to follow God wholeheartedly. And if you read through Scripture and you follow Jesus' life, you follow not just the miracles, you, you see really the, the example that he sets for us. Taking the time where he would set aside time and go and spend time in prayer. Some, a lot of times he was by himself. And sometimes he would take one or two of the disciples with him, but more often than not, it was a t he would take time by himself and go and pray. Reminding us how important it is to stay connected to the Father. Even though he knew that what he was doing was what God had given him to do, that was his call, that was his purpose, he still would go back and spend time away from people, away from crowds, and reconnect with God. How often do you disconnect from the world to reconnect with God? If Jesus, the Son of God, saw how important it is to disconnect and reconnect with the Father, how much more should we find value in disconnecting with the world to spend time with the Father? He showed us what it means to lay down your life for your enemies. Are you willing to lay down your life for those that have wronged you? Are you willing to lay down your life for the people that needs it most. He showed us acts of service by being willing to go into, by being willing to really to do miracles and feed the 5,000. And that's not the only miracles he did. He cleansed people of impure spirits. He raised the dead to life more than once. He had empathy. He had compassion for people. A lot of the miracles that he did, they would say he, Jesus had compassion. He was moved because of his compassion for others. 
do we have the same level of empathy and compassion for the people around us? If we're being honest with ourselves and with each other, not always. I'll be the first one to say it. I don't always have empathy and compassion for everybody. Especially when you see somebody continue to do the same thing, make the same mistakes, and you know, you've tried to help them and they don't want your help, and you just see them just doing dumb things after dumb things, and you're like, when will it stop? I want to continue to love you and be compassionate, but man, you're making it really, really hard. But we could say the same thing about ourselves before we came to know Jesus. We made mistakes. We made bad choices. And he continued to pursue us. He continued to relentlessly go after us, and he gave us opportunities to come into a relationship, and now here we are, transformed by his name, transformed by his power. We can all admit that we would not be here where we are today in life as followers of Christ had he not been relentless. Sometime that relentless pursuit came through the people that loves us, that continue to pray, for, to pray for us, that God would just get a hold of this person, that God would get a hold of our lives. God, would, would you just change their lives? Would you give them an encounter with you? And God answered that prayer, those prayers. And now here we are. So we should in turn do the same thing for others. Pursuing God relentlessly for the people that we want to see transformed. See, we talked, we sung about what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. His name is powerful. Powerful enough to change lives. I want to see people's lives be transformed by the power of God. And maybe God will use one of us, or maybe he'll use somebody else, but that we would not stop praying for the people that we want to see him transform. Don't give up on whoever it is that you're praying for. I don't know who needs to hear that this morning, but don't stop. Allow God to continue to call them, to continue to go after them, but don't give up praying for them. See, the name of Jesus hold power. And as the Son of God, as one who's seen the world be created, as one who saw all the things that happened from the fall, really, of God starting over, 
to given to separating the nations because they were being a little too much with the Tower of Babel. Which, you know, it, it just that story in itself is interesting because they were united just for the wrong purpose. They had unity to build something that would last, but the problem is their reason was because they wanted to reach heaven. They wanted to do it for their own glory, for their own purpose, and God was not having that. So the word tells us he confused their language and then they all scattered. It's not supposed to be about us. The things we do are supposed to be about God. It's supposed to bring people closer to God or bring people to God. And we look for different ways to do that and there's different areas in our lives and different things that we do, whether it be at work at school, in the marketplace, wherever you are, do people see Jesus? Does the light of Jesus reflect from you so strongly that people can tell there's a difference between you and the people that you work with? That there's a difference between you and the people that you go to school with? And I use school as an example because, you know, school for me wasn't that many years ago. And so those memories are still, are still fresh. And I can remember pursuing God when I finally began to pursue God and stop following people. And I remember what a difference that made for me because all of a sudden I stopped caring. I love sports, if you don't know this about me. My favorite sport, it's soccer. And I would play that basically every day after school. And I remember once I began really pursuing God, I still loved the sport. But my desire to be, to be involved in activities at the school when it comes to sports just kind of dwindled. I look for opportunities to serve the church. I look for opportunities to be at church really whenever there was something going on because I wanted more of God. And at the time, I did not recognize yet that he was calling me into ministry, but I knew that I wanted more of him. And so every chance I got, I would be at the church. You know, I still keep in contact with one of my youth leaders at the time, and he was the assistant pastor at the time uh, for the church that I, was, I grew up in. And I remember helping him with so many different projects. I've shared with you guys that when it comes to building things, I don't build stuff, but I can help. I'll hold the other end of the piece of wood while you cut it. I'll hold it while you put the nail in if I have to, because those, that's not my strong suit. But if he needed help with something, all he had to do was either text me or call me and I'd be like, yeah, I'll be there. And usually I was one of the first people there to help him because I wanted to be there, to be involved. 
See, when you draw, when you begin to draw closer to God, the things that of this world don't really make much sense anymore because all you want is more of Him. And you look for ways to serve Him. You look for ways to show that love to others, to show that desire in different ways. See, the same person that, that same pastor is the same one that actually helped me get started with the guitar. I didn't have my own guitar. And he got me, some, got me one for me to be able to play and practice. He spent so much time discipling me and so much effort to see me used and grow in the giftings that God had given me. Some of them I didn't even realize that I had or even recognize that God had given me yet. That was 16 at the time. That was 16 years ago. And now here I am. And I can look back and see the things that I learned from him and how I've utilized those things over the last couple of years of being in ministry How are you using the giftings that God has given you? Who are you pouring into? Who are you bringing up? Who are you discipling? Discipling simply means that you're bringing somebody along. You're helping them to draw close to God, whatever they're passionate about. And that's what I had to learn is to help people in whatever their passion is, even if it wasn't my passion. There's such an amazing thing that comes with seeing somebody grow and draw closer to God and acknowledge Him and become a really more involved in the kingdom. I'm blessed to have had opportunities to really invest in other people over the last couple of years. One of the cool things about in discipling people is after a while you kind of step off and you get to watch them grow from afar. And I've used music as, as a way to do that. And every single one of those that I've had a chance to disciple are still involved in ministry in some way. And I've seen them step up in ways that, that surprise people because they, they caught people by surprise. I watched one that was, when it first started, it started with playing the bass at seven. Now he plays the electric guitar, he plays the drums, he leads when he, when, it's, when he needs to, and he continues to serve, and he loves being a part of what God is doing at the church where he's at. We all are capable of discipling somebody. The question is, are you willing to? Sometimes we think maybe we're too, you know, too old or too young. But the truth of the matter is you can leave a legacy. 
the question is, what kind of legacy are you going to leave behind? Are you going to leave something that benefits the kingdom of God, or are you going to leave something that benefits the world? I'd rather leave something that benefits the kingdom of God and works its way into changing the world for the kingdom. Maybe you already have a relationship with him. But have you but do you truly know Jesus as the son of God? And if you don't know him, don't leave here today without giving your life to him. Do you want to be a part of this family? And, then, and I'm not talking about this us here, but I mean as a church universal, God's family. Because that's what we are supposed to be, is a family of God. Which means I should be able to uh, connect with people, with fellow believers that don't go here without any problem. I should be able to work with other believers without any issues because they're part of the family of God. There shouldn't be really big disagreements when it comes to God's kingdom or his purpose. The command was simple, to go into all the world and, pe and preach the gospel, baptizing in the name of the, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is a command for all those who profess the name of Jesus. Whether you're in this building or in a church a couple streets down, if you profess the name of Jesus, that is the mission. Which means we should be working together to reach people, not fighting each other and lose people. So I want to challenge you this week. Find ways to be to show the light of Jesus to somebody. Wherever you are, it can be a family member, it could be a stranger. But there are people that crosses our paths daily that need Jesus. The challenge for us is to make sure that we are showing the light of Jesus to everyone. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for everything that you do. We thank you that you sent your son, your only son, to die on the cross for us. To be the ultimate sacrifice that shows us what it means to, to love you, to live for you, to pursue you. Lord, show us how to be a light in this dark world. Show us how to stand on your truth so that we can share that truth, that the gospel, with others.
that we would be led by you in all that we do. Lord, we give you praise, we give you glory, honor, because you alone are worthy of it all. We pray all this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.